You didn't pick it up? Nino's trying to figure a lot out today, James. You want to give him an introduction? I you, think you, you should give him an introduction. Give it a shot? Yeah, this is... This He's is a hard a, man to introduce. Yeah. He's one of the I, best I just, to ever do it. You know that, right? I just know him as Nino. I had, yeah, a, I had to pull a lot of strings to get him here. Bang. He had to come all the way to Vittorio's. If he didn't come to Vittorio's, he wouldn't be here today. That's true stories. I like to stay in Brooklyn. I like to stay in Brooklyn. So, this is Nino Coniglio here. <laughs> the go. man, the myth, the legend. We're coming out from the Salt Cave at Flotopia in Long Island. Uh, supposedly, it's misting salt into the air. So, based on that fucking happening, I got a question. So, my cardiologist is a little worried about, like, you know, I've been smoking for 30 years. He says I shouldn't have more than 200, 2,300 milligrams of sodium every day. Is this going to up my sodium level and fuck with my heart? Is it going to increase Is this the salt cave going to give me a fucking heart attack, no, okay? No, no, no. How is it up in my sodium levels? That's what I want to know. You're not, you're not eating it. I'm not you're, eating. You're I'm breathing it in. Breathing it in. It's going yeah. through my blood, bro. It's, <laughs> it's in his blood. It's in his it's blood. Like, James. It's like eating, like you know, if you eat coke, it doesn't do anything to you. But if you like, I don't know, smoke it, it fucks you up. It's crack, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nino Caniglio, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I mean, I don't even know how to begin to describe him. You know, he does so many different things. He's a botanist. He's a pizza man. He's a, a perfectionist of bread making. Yeah. How, how would you describe what you do? If somebody doesn't know who the hell you are, you had to tell them who you are and what you do. I What I try to do is I try to do things like, uh, you know, my great-great-great-grandmother would have done things and value those same things. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Food so like. Well, food-wise and, like, you know, fucking having chickens in the fucking backyard and fucking making, uh, you know, have a little beehive and fucking, like, extracted some honey, you know what I'm saying? Growing tomatoes. Uh, you know, if you got a little bit of land, grabbing some, you know, growing some wheat. Just doing, making prosciutto, doing all this shit. You know does what I mean? everything. Um, I, I don't know if you have questions for Nino. I have, I have questions galore because I feel like every time I ask him questions, he tells me to go fuck myself. It's true. But he's been saving it for the podcast. He's kind of on the spot now. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much that goes into this gentleman that's in front of us. I champion mean, Champion of Chopped? He's a Chopped champion. I'm 12 years in a row pizza champion. 12 years in a row, he's been winning pizza championships since he's like a teenager. I just, I, they, they won't even really let me compete anymore in almost anything. <laughs> like, I've won everything. They're like, go fuck yourself. You could judge or something. I'm like, I don't want to judge. Because it's always a freaking conspiracy fucking when people judge, you know? It's like, I don't want to be part of the conspiracy, you know what <laughs> I mean? I, I tell people this all the time, that, uh, and I was just saying to somebody today that whenever I had your pizza for the first time, I took a bite, and I was like, oh, this, this is pizza. This is pizza. It's what pizza's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we ferment our dough instead of aerating our dough, which leads to, uh, you know... A lot of good flavor through good bacterium, uh, uh, lactic acid, uh, you know, low glycemic index, so you don't, uh, you know, become a fat fuck for me in the pizza. You know what I'm saying? It's good stuff. <laughs> you know, put a lot of time into that shit. Multiple and then, days. Until I met Nino, you know, people would say like you can't have good pizza because it's the water, it's the water. Nino said it's bullshit. It's a bunch of bullshit. Everybody says that. You know what it really is? Well, now you got really great pizzerias popping up all over America. But if you were to go back 10 years, you'd be 
pretty hard pressed to go to like I don't know North Carolina or South Carolina and find a good pizza. And I think I know why. It's basically this. First of all, you got to understand something about pizza. These guys that you know came over from Italy, like you know Mike's father over here, and like a bunch of other guys, and Vinny from J and V's, and these guys that kind of started the game. They weren't like professional chefs that were like, oh, I'm going to like go to uh, America and do this thing that I do in Italy called pizza or whatever, be a chef. You know, they came over and they were coming from like a pretty bad situation. And it was just kind of like, you know, if you had an uncle that was in the Longshoreman, you probably would have been in the Longshoreman. If you had, uh, um, you know, uh, a guy, I don't, yeah, if he had a suicide shop or, or if the guy was laying bricks, you know. So for like some people, it was like they got into the pizza game and then it's like, okay, this is what we're doing and blah, 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 blah. And if you were good at it and you were successful, what the hell are you doing moving to Georgia or South Carolina or Colorado or wherever? If you were good at it and you were good at what you were doing and you made a good product, you're not going to leave your whole family if you're living in New York, New Jersey, upstate or whatever, or Long Island. You're going to probably want to stay there because that's where your brothers and your cousins and your mother and your father and your brother-in-law. So, like, kind of like the flunkies that got, like, kind of pushed out of New York were the ones that opened up in Nashville, Tennessee. And they sucked when they were here. So, of course, they continued <laughs> to suck when they went to Nashville. So, I mean, that doesn't really answer our question, though. What makes pizza good now in North Carolina? So, I mean, well, what makes it good is just, you know, like people. There's, I guess the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's. The I mean, the, small, the world is a small place. Yeah, now. the world is a small place. And now we have a bunch better. I mean, even going back six years ago, there wasn't any books on pizza that made any kind of sense. Nobody was talking about, like, hydration. Um, Nobody was talking about like days of fermentation or pre-ferments or poolishes or bigas or starter cultures. Like nobody was talking about any of this. Um, I got lucky enough that like 10 years ago, like pretty much like a light bulb went off in my head. I worked <laughs> at so many pizzerias, asked so many questions, got so many bullshit answers. And I was just like, wait, why am I fucking talking to fucking asshole pizza guys? I pretty much know them all by now, you know? Why aren't I looking at artisanal bread bakers? Because all they do, like, I could source really good tomatoes. It's not that hard. I could find, like, I could make my own mozzarella and have the freshest cheese possible. But dough is where, like, the real alchemy and chemistry and, you know, magic lies. So, you know, I was like, well, bread bakers, they don't fuck with any of this cheese or sauce or whatever and, like, have these stupid arguments. All they do is fuck with flour, salt, water, and yeast in the form of like a commercial yeast or a starter culture. So let me start looking at these guys. And then I just started applying that to the pizza craft and, you know, it, it kind of put me ahead of the pack and I was able to beat the shit out of everybody at all these competitions because I didn't know yet, you know. Now everybody knows. <laughs> now the competitions are a lot harder. I don't know if I would win if I was competing today. I probably would because I'm, I'm a fucking <laughs> Well, but. you're light years ahead. You've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Well, you know, sometimes I fucking slack off like everything else. Sometimes I got to go like down on like, all right, I got to figure out what a fucking squash vine burrow moth is now and how to take care of that fucking problem. <laughs> then I got to go down a rabbit hole with that or like it's like I got fungus gnats or you know so what I'm saying? How do I get rid of fucking aphids? You know what I mean? <laughs> what the fuck is neem oil? Oh, it's organic. Okay, but if I drink a shot of it, I'll die. Well, I don't want to put that on my food. 
You what, know what I mean? What is that? Neem oil. Yeah. Neem oil. You don't know what neem oil is, and you have this place. Bro, fucking meat. hippies be rubbing neem oil all over their skin. I think they're fucking crazy. <laughs> I think they put it in their drinks sometimes. So neem oil is like <laughs> it's from a neem tree, and it's like uh, it's 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 an insecticide that's natural. Oh, okay. Right. Where it's like anthrax is natural. You know what I mean? Cyanide's <laughs> natural. So, like, these guys are like, no, Nino, you don't understand. I'm like, I understand. It's a poison derived from a tree without going through a <laughs> chemical plant that you spray on your plants to kill fucking aphids. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to figure out something else. Maybe some nematodes, maybe well, a couple well, ladybugs. That, huh? well, well, that was on food? You have to well, explain to him what an aphid is. Yeah. Oh, aphid. Aphids are like these little bugs that like eat your plants and like. Uh, you see a leaf with a hole in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you're yeah. talking about putting that on pizza. No, no. he puts it on the plants. No, for garden. I grow oh, a lot okay. of shit. So Nino yeah. has at his house. He's got a garden Giant in his backyard garden. that has all yeah. assortment of vegetables and yeah. everything. Five thousand ladybugs. Well, that's oh, why he no, lets the five, ladybugs go. Five, I let the ladybugs go so I don't have to use a neem oil. 5,000, uh, what do you call it now? So right now we have 4,000 <laughs> baby praying mantises waiting to uh, be hatched. Uh, they're currently at Mikey <laughs> Vittorio's house. Um, one of them hatched uh, right before we did our podcast. Go check out the pizza podcast. A little plug right there. Um, on Monday. And... Uh, yeah, they. I forgot to put the top on the thing, so there was oh, like a hundred no. of them all yeah, over the walls. Uh, and then I was just like, "Fuck it, <laughs> they're praying mantises. They're gangsters. They can hang out at my fucking house." I put the rest of them outside, but I just left them. And you know, my guests thought it was really cool because it was just like, "Yo, look at you see all those bugs on the wall right there," and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking weird. What the fuck is that? Why are there bugs on your wall?" I was like, "Did little baby praying mantis?" And one guy was really confused. And the other guest was like, that's cool. <laughs> you know? I feel like everything at your house is cool. Yeah. It's got, uh, I mean, what are your favorite toys of everything you have? Mm, I like, I mean, I really like my new mixer I got. I just got like a new tiny mixer from Little Italy that it's a spiral mixer with uh, variable speed that you could spin the bowl in any direction. It's called a fama g f a m a g they just popped up on amazon unlike those piece of shit sun mixes the fucking top goes out so you can actually pull out the dough and you know what that allows us to do is it allows us to um you know kind of do like laboratory testing so we could test pizza dough with different ratios of like oil or salt or different types of starters or different types of flours um in really small levels, but then scale up into a bigger level. Because if you have like a giant mixer that takes like a 50 pound bag of flour and you try to put one pound of flour in that, eh, it's not gonna work out that well. He's a pizza scientist, James. Facts, facts, <laughs> facts. Yeah. What do you so want to talk about? How was your float? <laughs> oh, the float. Um, I, it was fine. I, I didn't really, <laughs> I thought something was gonna happen. I didn't really understand. Um, I thought I was like gonna like, like meet the aliens or you know i thought some dmt shit was gonna happen but it didn't happen because joe rogan's always talking about dmt and floating so i thought i had some kind of correlation with each other <laughs> also question about the float 
Like if I put on like my like uh, self-help books, like how to unfuck your brain or one of those other fucking like uh, stoicism, whatever books that I like. Um, do you, can you listen to that in the float you tank? You, yeah, you can definitely Would, do Is that, that like some kind of cognitive therapy thing going on? Does anybody do that? No. So basically Where, when you're in there, mm-hmm. there's no other distractions, right? Like there's nothing in there. To, Except to for do. my fucked up brain, which keeps on moving <laughs> like 20 miles wow. per hour all how the much, time. How much salt is in that? There's 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt in the water. In Jesus that, in Christ. That, in that yeah. thing right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Keep me afloat. That was magical, man. We got Mike in the building also. We got to introduce Mike yeah, from Victoria's Steakhouse. I'll, I'll take care of that for oh, you. Do the introduction. Uh, Let's get it. Mikey V, a.k.a. Michael, Michael Vittorio, is the owner and operator of Vittorio's Italian Restaurant in Amityville, Long Island. Vittorio's Italian Restaurant has been serving aged and amazing cuisine, French service style, for 19 <laughs> years. Okay? Bad, and counting. Okay. He's also the, the owner of Mike's Underground Pizza, which is the most exclusive pizzeria on all of Long Island. You have to be a member to get in. Recently, Mikey V has extended his hours, <laughs> all right, where it used to be only 16. No, it used to be only 12 hours a week, right, that they were open. Okay, and now it's a lot more than that. How many hours a week now? 50? I don't know. 50 hours a week. So from 12 to 50 in the past year, okay, which allowed a lot more members to come in, but they came in quick. So, like, listen, if you're over here DMing, how do I get a Mike's Underground Pizza? (laughs) I don't fucking know because I don't know where it is. I mean, I call Mike, but you can't call Mike because you're not Nino Coniglio. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So you got to go... Find a number somewhere or an email, and you got to be like, please, Mikey, make me a member <laughs> and hope that there's not 500 people in front of you, and then maybe you'll get a pizza one uh, day if you good. order like two weeks in advance. That's pretty good. They yeah. also make Sunday sauce on Sundays for catering. Oh. <laughs> Did they start their Sunday sauce on Sunday or Saturday? Nice. <laughs> I think you could get Sunday sauce on like Friday if you wanted yeah. to. But Nothing it's fucking special. pretty dope because, like, you know, a lot of people don't have time to. Um, uh, you know, to like spend eight hours making sauce and doing all that, but they want to keep traditions alive. So like, you know, you just call this guy up, you give him a couple, uh, couple three, four, whatever, how much money, and then uh, <laughs> three, four. You know, you yeah, you just you get you the get, sauce. You get all the meat. You put the sauce in the meat. You pull out a pot. You can even pretend you did it your fucking self. You know, <laughs> nobody's gonna know if you get it. Chip, you know, most people get it to the house before their guests arrive. So then they just pull out their sauce pot, dump everything in there. It's like you know, pull out the wooden spoon, and everybody walks in, and they're like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" Uh, <laughs> I made a sauce. I, uh, I did all this grandma sauce. I made a couple <laughs> tweaks, but it's good. Yeah, you proud of me? <laughs> I'm just amazed how comfortable you are with uh, with that robe on. Yeah, right. It's well, the most I know. I've ever seen on Nino. Bro, Which do is you great. see the? I, mean, you can't even pay for I don't know. I don't know if the camera can make out like the pigment of my legs, but I'm really enjoying yeah, it right now. Well, it's almost like like a Larry Bird clear. <laughs> Larry Bird clear. Oh my god. Well, I want to take it back. I want to know how Nino got started and be- became this incredible oh. specimen of a human being. Oh, that's a that's an easy story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, when I was a little jerk off, um, somehow I started hanging out with uh, some, um, I don't know, like fucking Brooklyn guys in Raritan, New Jersey. Raritan, New Jersey is 
this little tiny town in central Jersey that for some reason, like everybody in the fucking town's from Brooklyn. Like all these Brooklyn guys just moved in. It's kind of like Marlboro, New Jersey. I know about, I didn't grow up near Marlboro. I don't really know much about Marlboro, except for the fact that like when I moved to Brooklyn, when I was a teenager, everybody and their mother had moved to Marlboro from Brooklyn. <laughs> and it was just like all the guys that lived at Gravesend like five years earlier now lived at Marlboro. Um, New Jersey. Anyway, so I started <laughs> hanging out at these pizzerias. Um, and these guys, you know, I don't know, like I would sweep the floor. They wouldn't pay me. If they had a good day, they'd throw me like $20, $30. And I would just hang out. And then this guy, Tommy Catalano, who was from Bath Beach, Brooklyn, um, he used to have a pizzeria. And I used to follow this guy around. And uh, he used to take me to the, when I was like, 14, 15 years old, we go over to, like, um, the clubs in Bensonhurst, like the the cafes, and he'd go downstairs and gamble on the cherry machines, and we'd be at, like, Cafe Romeo on 20th Avenue and Cafe Italia and all these other places on 18th Avenue and Gravesend. So a couple years go by. I kind of learn how to make pizza, and a bunch of bullshit happens. And then, uh, and then I just moved into uh graves then i was probably like 17 years old um started working for this guy johnny sprockets johnny caggiano who now owns a place called il for il Fornetto in staten island over on south Amboy road does don't that make sense <laughs> i don't know it's over by the outer bridge il Fornetto, johnny sprockets um so Johnny taught me uh, how to make pizza. I was like commuting like three hours a day, like probably like 17 years old at the time, maybe a little bit younger because um, I dropped out of high school when I was fucking young. And so what, I had what made you work. hang out in pizzerias? Like why? Why did you choose to I hang mean, out there? I mean, thought, I thought these guys, you know what I'm saying? And maybe I watched like a couple too many like Goodfellas movies or something. <laughs> I thought these guys were fucking around, which some of them turns out they were. So, you know, I could tell you some robbery stories from Florida. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, basically it was that eventually I came to the realization that, um, you know, uh, a life uh, doing uh that kind of shit uh, wasn't really going to pay too much. I realized this when I was hanging out in Brooklyn and like a bunch of guys had gotten out of jail and they were all like, yo, yo, you got, can buy me an espresso. I'll pay you back next week. Uh, yo, can I get a cigarette? And I'm like, huh, interesting. <laughs> this doesn't seem to uh, be a good job. And listen, for all those gangsters out there, I know, I know there's some, I know, I, I'm not talking any shit. You know, I know some gangsters that are doing really well for themselves are good for them. But I guess it's like anything. You know what I'm saying? There's some guys at pizza that do real well. And some guys that, you know, they can't pay their rent. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I chose. I was like, you know what? I like this pizza thing. I kind of like understand. I am like asking questions about cooking, learning a bunch of shit. And then, uh, yeah, probably about two months after I started working for Johnny, I uh, I got an apartment in the neighborhood. Um Bunch of, bunch of, bunch of crazy shit later. Bunch of fights and <laughs> shootings and nutjob shit. Um, I'm trying to have Johnny to tell all these stories. Every time I talk to him <laughs> on the phone, like, I, call, I make sure I call Johnny Sprockets, like, once every, like, four months. And, you know, I'll be like, remember that time? Blah, 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 blah. This kid <laughs> from New Jersey, he comes from the neighborhood. Who would have thought? Yada, yada, yada. 
Anyway, um, and now you're on the paper. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, so then what? I, yeah, worked at Johnny's place, bunch of shit later. Um, I started working at this place, Il Brigante in the city. Um, I got made a partner, and then me and the owner, this guy, Venancio Pasubio, um, we put half and half of the money down to open a place at Marine Park, Brooklyn, on Avenue U1, Bachelder where I met Hip Hop Mike. Yes, sir. And uh, then we uh, we were doing some really cool shit. We were making uh, homemade pasta. We were um, we were making, like, regatta semolina gnocchis. We were doing oxtail, papadelli, ragouts, and wild boar fucking uh, bolognese sauce. And, so this guy you know, we were bringing in Italian barracuda. Shits on everybody. There's, like, 150 pizzerias in this neighborhood, and he comes in and just disrupts everything. Yeah. That it was, was the plan. Nothing that you just said sounded like it comes in a pizzeria. <laughs> well, yeah, we have like a probably like a fifty or sixty seat dining room, and I used to um, be a cook at you know a few fine dining places, uh, Vespa and Cipriani's among them. So one of the guys that I was working under, I brought him over with me, Jose, and um, you know he used to be my boss at those restaurants. He was like an OG. Um, so he brought like a lot of stuff from that angle and I, you know, brought the pizza and, you know, it was like you would walk in, there was like a little slice counter. We'd always have like a little peanut gallery hanging out on the front. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to go to the back and sit down and get like some really dope, like, you know, kind of like different stuff like that a lot of people weren't doing. I mean, at, if we made pasta... Like, if we had pasta on the menu, we were making the pasta. You know what I mean? If we weren't making the pasta, um, you know, it was going to be, like, some bronze-dyed, like, fucking crazy pasta imported from Italy that nobody's ever seen before. Um, you I know. Mean, the pizza counter, It was this the first time that you, like, fully curated a pizza counter? Uh, or did you, had yeah. You done that? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been the first time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because every that was that was my first place that I owned. Um, Il Brigante wasn't uh, that was um, you know Il Fondelino wood fired oven pizza, you know what I'm saying. So I helped like kind of curate the menu for that. But I mean, it's a completely different thing. It's not like a counter, you know what yeah. I mean. You have sit down restaurant, and it's like I want a quattro stagione pie, and then <laughs> I'm the pizza guy, and I'll be like, I will make that quattro stagione pie. Um, <laughs> It's actually the wood fire game for a pizza maker is actually a lot less stressful because, you know, you have a lunch shift, you have a dinner shift, and then there's just time in between. Basically, all these people come in, you turn the tables three times, and then you're done. And then you just you bang out your dough, you bang out your prep as quick as you can, and nobody's bothering you. When you have a sliced pizzeria, bro, people are fucking bothering you constantly. <laughs> There's never a time when you're not getting bothered. The phone's ringing. Some Momo's walking in being like, do you have beef patties with cheese? We need the beef patties with cheese. I need the coconut bread. <laughs> he wouldn't you sell know? beef patties, by the way. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't sell beef patties. I was, I was no. very, you know, I, bro, like, I, I mean, the way I feel about it is like, why am I going to sell like some frozen garbage? Like, if I'm going to sell beef patties, I'm going to like, 
find yourself. some Jamaican grandmother and <laughs> learn how to make like authentic beef patty pastry dough from scratch in like a wood <laughs> trowel fucking thing. And you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to like import like the sweat of like uh you know like some something something in Jamaica some like some like type of shaman like import a, Jamaican a, sweat a weed like a what what would they have what what is it like a Rastafarian shaman guy sweat that would get like a dropper like in every one of the beef patty doughs and then you know we would only use. The finest, like, you know, horse and donkey meat from the Caribbean <laughs> islands. You know what I mean? Because that's probably how beef patties are traditionally made. I have no idea. But whatever the mystical fucking origin story of the beef patty is, I'll figure that fucking shit out and I'll start doing that. All right? Yeah. He didn't do that, though. He, I didn't do that. He was not into the I almost patty. did it when I opened up my Crown Heights location, like, a few really? years back. Yeah, bro, because I was talking to these guys. Well, I became <laughs> obsessed with doubles. So doubles is like a Trinidadian thing. And, like, I, I was like, you know, I understand dough. I'm a little bit of a dough alchemist. So I was like, oh, yo, what's going on over here? What is this, doubles thing? What do you do? Little potato, little potato pie, little this. Oh, you throw it in the fry like this, kind of like Zeppelin. All right, you wrap it up with that wax paper. Hey, it's steaming out a little bit. I don't know about that. Maybe we got to change that part of the process. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't work out. How did you but, come um, up with the uh, Del Corso menu? Because you had pear pizza. You had the tartufo, is truffle. You had grandma. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much what I did was, you know, at that time, um, you know, I was I was going to pizza expos. I was competing. I was, like, doing, like, all the pizza acrobatics, traveling around the world. So I would see things. Like, I would see, like, new things that were popping up in Italy, and, like, the pear pizza was one of them, and the – tartufo pizza and then like you know back then there was kind of like all these guys from italy were just like there was this renaissance where all these like wood-fired places were just opening like one after the other in new york and they all kind of had like a similar menu and it was like taken from like the kind of menu that was over there so you'd have a quattro stagioni which means four seasons pie you'd have a quattro formaggi a four cheese pie you'd have like a calabrese which would be like you know, so prasada and uh, olives and onions and maybe some calabrese chilies. Uh, everybody had a, a mushroom, rosemary, and white truffle pie. So I just kind of like took those pies and converted them onto like a New York style menu. And, you know, it worked. People liked it because at the time, like, it was just like, oh, if you want to open a pizzeria. And it's still kind of like, bro, I still got buddies who are like brand new who are like doing this garbage. But it's like... Oh, we got to serve buffalo chicken and, uh, oh, don't forget the chicken bacon Caesar ranch and uh, the barbecue chicken pizza. Let's throw dry chicken, fucking shitty cheese on a terrible dough and, <laughs> and barbecue sauce out of a fucking bottle. That sounds like a great idea, you know? Um, turns out probably wasn't that great of an idea turns out it's still not a great idea turns <laughs> out that the guys that started doing this originally are all out of business like you don't see too many like Ray's pizza or abatito's pizza or familia pizza or uh pizza plus or fat sal's all like the chains in new york that kind of started that freaking nonsense they're not around so much anymore and just from a sheer business perspective you should probably stay away from chicken caesar salad wraps and stuff like that 
because if you ever want to get any press or any <laughs> fucking respect from any kind of like food critic or anything, and that's on your fucking menu or a pineapple pizza or something, they're probably not going to go near you. You know what I mean? I know a couple guys that could get away with it. Tony Baloney out in Hoboken, <laughs> he gets away with it. But Tony Baloney like specializes in like taking ramen noodles and using that as a crust. So it's like a wacky fucking place. And it's like, oh, what's Tony Baloney going to do next? <laughs> He's getting a little crazy over here. And people get hyped. And they're like, let's go. <laughs> how, how did you get into the press? Because you skipped over a whole part of the pizza team and going around the world. How, how does that begin? So that's you? not even how you get in the press, really. I mean, I mean, being on the U.S. pizza team and winning world titles, like it, it helps. Don't get me wrong. How do you get on a pizza team? What though? is a pizza team? So they got like these pizza teams that like if you're like I mean back then it was a little bit different. Back then you basically had to win like an acrobatics thing. So there's this thing called pizza acrobatics, which is like it's it's like um it's like that movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise. If you don't know it, go fuck yourself and Google it. Um <laughs> too young for this game. Um it's like that for pizza, basically. And there's conventions for pizza around the world and they would all like have these competitions and if you were good enough um one of the two competing teams either the u.s pizza team or the world pizza champions would pick you up they would pay for your trips to like china and france and italy and you would get to go uh for free and you'd get to compete and if you kept on winning you kept on getting to go um and that's how it worked back then back then and uh that does help you get a little bit of press um, but it doesn't help you get good press. If you want to get good press in the rest of our game, and I figured this out from like some, you know, top tier guys that like there's there's different aspects of the restaurant industry. There's guys that like get into this business and they're super pro at it, right? And they have like, you know, 10 to 20 units that all have different names and all have different products in them, more or less. And these things just run. And these guys still will usually be like a team of dudes, but like you'll rarely see these guys in their restaurants unless they're in like the first like four months of opening one because they're all like band together and like kind of operated until they put like, you know, shift leaders and a COO in charge of that place and blah, 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 blah. But one of the things, um, there's a lot of things that like these guys have as rules, um, but one of them is... These guys do not fuck around with the, uh, like they spend between 10 and $30,000 on a PR company. So like Bolts and Co. Um, and there's a lot of other boutique. There's Bullfrog and Bomb. There's Hall. Those are like the OG originals. Now there's like boutique ones and companies started from like those OGs. And it's like, a, it's a really strange business. And uh, basically how it works is these people represent um you know different restaurants and and some of them go out into branding and i'll have like you know like a, a a liquor client or you know a hot sauce client or whatever but mainly they're they're representing restaurants and and you know companies restaurants hire pr companies um most frequently before they're opening or you know it's like okay we're gonna open in six months Let's reach out to this PR company, get some PR. So now you have opening parties, right? So you got these guys that have access that are kind of coordinating and setting up and organizing 
all these opening parties and all these and maybe there's other parties going on maybe there's like a book thing and they'll hook up with restaurant x and say like hey so and so chef or whatever is coming out with a book why don't we do the party and you supply the food pro bono to get all these media people into your place right and it'll be like okay cool so there's only so many people that write stories and work for nbc and work for like time out and munchies and thrillist and vice and new york magazine right and these people generally don't get paid a lot of money. They're generally making between like forty and $70,000 a year. So even at the high end, you know, your life in New York is pretty like, you know, not that nice. Like you're not able to like go out to the fanciest restaurants. You're not able to like enjoy fine cocktails. You know what I'm saying? Like you're making 70000 a year. Let's be real. You're fucking barely paying your fucking rent in your studio in the Upper East Side. So... The PR companies allow um, the the people that work in the media the opportunity to live like they're making two hundred fifty to five hundred grand a year, because they're going to these places and getting showered with like the finest food and the finest cocktails in the hottest places. Because the hottest places, the places that become the hottest places with the best foods, are the places that hire the PR companies mm. nine times out of ten. Um, so, yeah, it's like this kind of symbiotic relationship. And now they know that that's a client. Well, that guy fed you. Not not just yesterday, but last week, the week before that, and blah, 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 blah. And you got to bring a date with you and this <laughs> and that. So I'm going to put him on the top of the list to make sure that, you know, the next article or the next New York magazine that comes out or the next uh, blog on munchies that comes out is going to be about these guys. How did you get so many people to come to Del Corso? Because I feel like the news flooded in like <clears throat> within a few months, and you don't strike me as somebody to hire a PR. Well, I did hire a PR company. Oh. Um, I, I've always hired a PR company for all of my restaurants. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's worth it. Okay. So, PR um, company is like a marketing company. They, they get the word out that the restaurant's opening. and then they Okay. Get the so this is how it works. I mean, it, so everything I just explained – is, is the mechanics of how it works. So basically, you hire a PR company, you pay them between like five and 20 grand, and that'll put you on their books for between three months and 12 months. And you will get spots on TV. You will be in articles all the time in uh, New York Magazine, New York all Times, New, like all these different things constantly because all these people, I mean, I think, beholden to the people who run a PR company is a little bit too dramatic of a fucking description, but it's one hand washes the other, both hands wash the face. Yeah. These guys made an industry out of, you know, we're going to supply, you know, a big missing chunk of what these guys are missing in their lives. And in return, they're going to take care of our clients. How'd you get on Good Morning America? PR no, company. He was on Good Morning America. Yeah. Yeah, PR companies. I feel like you got to be a PR company's like wet well, dream. So like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, well, well, one of the things about PR companies that like the professionals understand, but like, um, you know, sometimes guys like it goes over their head when they just like. So the way I'm explaining this right now, it sounds like a little bit too simple. And it is, 
but it's also it's your job to craft the story. So you're right. Like I'm on the US pizza team. I'm going to Italy and Paris and China winning competitions. That's a really easy press release for a PR company to put out some desks and get you airtime. All right. So like if you're a restaurant or you're a brand and you're trying to get PR and you don't have stories and events and this and that coming out and an already like crazy biography crafted yourself because the PR company is not going to like, you're going to have a couple meetings with them, but they're not going to get to know you on an intimate level by any means. You know what I'm saying? Like it's almost your job to like feed them the copy that is going to entice them. And all they're doing is they're making sure whatever that is, is 100% getting read by the media and 100% being considered above all other things. Gotcha. So when I met this guy, he's running this restaurant and somehow he ropes me into working for him. Right. And um, I'm working there maybe like a couple weeks, a month. And then he just disappears to Paris for like two weeks and doesn't yeah. tell anybody. How how the fuck did you keep that place going as long as you did? And uh, when did you pivot? What made you pivot into the empire you guys have now? I mean, it was probably <laughs> when the electric started getting shut off. Um, <laughs> was when I started to have to make a pivot and get the fuck out of there. Um, yeah, shit was going bad in the fridge. Uh, yeah. No, uh, Del Corso, really fun time, educational experience. Well, you were 22 also, right? I was when you 23, turning 24. Yeah. Pictures so I was like 23 to 24. Um, I mean, we had a good time. You were there. I had a blast. Uh, <laughs> I had a fucking blast. It was, honestly, it's, it was the best job I ever had in my life. Yeah. And it wasn't because I was treated right. No, no, no. Nobody was treated right. He no, it was just every, something happened every huh? day. It was it was fun. It was a great time in our lives. I would have traded for the world, Wait, and it what? taught me a lot of valuable experiences. Can we go back to that? <laughs> yeah, sure. No, he's um, not going to talk about that. Yeah, so we, uh, what do you want? Well, I told him you stabbed the basically, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen. We could talk all night about, like, Del Corso's stories. But basically what happened is, like, I had this idea for this place. I, I you know, within like a few years before I'd opened, I'd worked for like Dom DeMarco. And at the, at the time we opened Del Corso, Dom DeMarco from DeFerris was like the hottest thing in pizza. And, you know, I was the only guy that like ever worked for him. And I was also on the U.S. pizza team and I'm getting on the New York Times. I got videos on the New York Times a lot articles. For a young I got, I'm on like all these different things and I'm making fucking slamming product. And I'm just like, I'm fucking untouchable. Like nobody <laughs> can fucking touch me. And it turned out that like, you know, um, you know, people don't want to fucking wait two hours to get a pizza from a cocky fucking kid. You know what I mean? Most people don't have two hours and you know, Marine park, Brooklyn to this day, is an old school, non-gentrified, working class neighborhood where people don't have time for that shit. People got to fucking pay their mortgage. You don't have like fucking funny rich kids running around like waiting online for fucking cronuts or whatever the new fucking <laughs> hot muffin is. Cookies, cookies. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have like, like 10,000 other people lining up to try to emulate those fuckheads. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have that in Marine Park. So if you don't bring service and you don't bring like a humble a attitude and, you know, un, you know, professional fucking environment, 
You know what I'm saying? You're not going to go very far. Like, if we did that shit in Williamsburg in the fucking same year, we would have been the most famous motherfuckers out there. You know what I'm saying? Because it would have been like, there would have been like these fucking, like back then it was a little bit wilder out in Bushwick or out in Williamsburg. For sure. Like, people would have been like, the kind of shit that we were doing, like people would have been like, yo, these kids are insane. Yo, you got to go <laughs> see these motherfuckers. Like, I mean, because, you know what I'm saying? It was a different thing. It was, it was all different. artists and, yeah. you know what I'm even saying? They're like, this is cool and later. it's different. Huh? Even implementing it 10 years later, you're still the hottest fucking thing in Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, no, and it's and it's very different um, from what we had in, in Del Corso. You know what I'm saying? Like, at Williamsburg, uh, pizza, like, I mean, you know, the first year and a half was a little wild you know what i'm saying like i was there with a bunch of fucking crazy kids and you know we were romping around and shit like that but you know it was also understood that like there's no such thing as a two-hour delivery like we could fuck around a little bit but like yo we're getting product out there we're getting it out quick we are not fucking around with this like we're better than everybody so we could take our sweet ass time because fucking dom demarco at the ferris does you're not a fucking 70-year-old fucking Neapolitan guy that doesn't speak English. <laughs> and as much as nobody wants to admit it, like, that's 70% of the magic, all right? When I opened up Del Corso, there were, like, between, like, four and six uh, uh, DeFara copycats out there. All of them went out of business in under a year. Because it's like, that's a, everybody, first of all, everybody thought this guy was getting rich because he was selling slices for $4 at a time when... You know, slices cost like a dollar seventy-five a slice. What they didn't understand, and what they didn't calculate in their head, was the fact that this guy's putting like a pound of buffalo mozzarella on every pie, <laughs> along with Parmesan Reggiano, the forty-dollar case DLP San Marzano tomatoes. You know. Meanwhile, we're selling slices, and even if you buy the best cheese, which is Grande cheese, right? The Grande is the most expensive. Grande. Like low moisture cheese that money can buy in their gangster company that won't sell fucking retail. So respect. <laughs> um, and you know that that cheese back then was probably like two to two fifty a pound, right? So I'm doing two to two fifty a pound selling slices for for seven dollars, or yeah, so two fifty, you know, for the cheese, and then a dollar seventy five for the slices, right? His pie, he's putting like $16 worth of cheese on it <laughs> and then selling them for $4 a pop. So his food cost is like hovering in like the 50%, like 50 60%. to 60% range, which anybody that knows anybody anything about restaurants what? means like you're, you're losing money hand over fist. Now, the guy was making all the pizza himself and had a really low rent and had, had a really low rent. So it was like, you know... Now you don't have a 25 to 30% labor cost on top of that. You got your like kids cutting mushrooms in the back. And the other thing about like DeMarco's was, I mean, and I love what he did. I think it's so fucking gorgeous. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. And like, he'll literally go down. You know, if, if we don't die in a nuclear fucking Holocaust <laughs> in 200 years from now, there's going to be guys making pizza talking about like this Dom DeMarco guy. There'll be like some fucking weirdo in, you know, whatever the major city is after the fucking ice caps melt, probably like <laughs> Pittsburgh will be like oceanfront <laughs> fucking property. And, you know, he'll, uh, 
He'll, he'll be like dressed up like Dom DeMarco. Like they'll have like some augmented reality, like fucking holographic face. And like he'll be like making pizzas. It's going to be like him. The exact same thing. It's going to be Nino. It's going to be Nino. <laughs> I'm not going to be alive. I'm going to be lucky to make it for like another 10 or 12 years. <laughs> so what happened between closing Del Corso and opening up Williamsburg? You went on a run where, I mean, you were going crazy in the lower you sent right. a guy to my house that you didn't know to sleep over. Yeah. There's a lot of shitty things happened in those Yeah, days. so I was doing some <laughs> consulting for a minute. Um, yeah, so I got uh, got like a consulting gig at this place called Breaded Tulips in Midtown and like a few other places. Like, you know, I you know I lost the restaurant, but I had still been on like television more than any other pizza guy out there and still had like... You know, street I mean, you're cred. You're one of the most well known. Like, I mean, up there with Demarco, you definitely have the press, and I mean, you've been doing it forever. Yeah, ish. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there that are really well known these days. Like, they you do. You tell people in Long Island, you know Nino. They're like people. Everybody <laughs> fucking knows everywhere. I mean, everybody knows Mikey Vittorio in Long Island. I, I well walked said. in here and told him about Mike Sutter. He was like, "Wait, you know that place? How do I, I want a pizza from that?" <laughs> <laughs> great pizza people connect. I was like, I could probably hook that up. You know what I mean? We're going to have to work out like, uh, you know, you might have to give me your sauna. You know what I mean? But, uh, Unplug yeah. the sauna and put it in Nino's car, James. You got it. <laughs> might have to try We're going to give you free pizza for a year. You're going to give us a sauna. <laughs> it works out in James' favor. That works favorite. out. I kind of yeah. like that. It's actually more, probably worth more money than the sauna. <laughs> your pizza? Uh, so you you were in the LES. I mean, you consulted yeah, with so a lot of people. No, I was doing consulting for like fine dining restaurants and like just working random jobs. And then like um, I got called for a consulting job at this place, Nona's in the Lower East Side. I remember. I worked in Nona's for like three weeks. Yeah. So Bro I started working there. In there. Um, I was being a knucklehead in the Lower East Side. I was hanging out with a fucking uh stephanie aka lady gaga and that whole fucking stupid crew and uh not stephanie's cool uh, <laughs> but there were a lot of stupid people like hanging out at johnson's and this and that there were a lot of really cool people too um on rivington street and uh yeah we were hanging out we were getting into trouble we were doing drugs we we're fucking girls we were uh um with with lady gaga no 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 no, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got a funny Gaga story. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's actually how I met Daniel James. So I walk into, and this is before I knew who she was. Um, so I walk into, uh, what was it? I think he's talking about. No. What's up? Dana James. Uh -huh. uh huh. Who, who'd you meet? Uh, Lady Gaga, Stephanie, her name is. Oh, like shout out a porn star, but I don't know. Who? I don't Val? know. You said, I don't know. <laughs> no, you Continue know Lady Gaga is? Yeah, yeah, I know Lady Gaga Yeah, Gaga's. so she used to hang out on Rivington Street okay. at all those places. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I mean, we didn't know. She wasn't Lady Gaga back then. She was Stephanie. So yeah. there was there was a place called uh, St. Jerome's, and there was a place called 151. And then Welcome to the Johnson's was down the street, and they were all on Rivington Street. So they were all owned by the same girl, Franny, right? So Johnson's had opened up first. Then they opened up 151, and this kid, Joey, who was like this, you know, I think he was a Queens Italian kid. He was a manager at um, 151, and he, there was some woman that was called, like, Lady Something, right? And she used to perform 
at 151 and then when uh uh saint jerome's open next door she used to do there too and this chick stephanie she used to hang out and she like idolized this lady i, I can't remember her name for the life of me but um you know she wanted to perform after her and joey was like yo you can't do it here but you can do it next door and this kid luke um who ended up becoming like her really, you know, boy was her boyfriend for like nine years, like or something like that. Even after she got paid, so she, like, he sent her over there, and she started performing over there, and then whatever, whatever. And then one day, like, I walk into one fifty one, and you know, I'm like, yo, what up, Joey? You know, this and that. And he's like, yo, remember that girl, the fucking short girl, Steph? Like, she used to hang out around here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like. Yeah, you notice how you haven't seen her in a long time? I'm like, yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. And he's like, well, she went to L.A. like six months ago, and now she's got like the number one song in the world right now. She's calling herself Lady Gaga. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, so then, uh, you know, I don't know, months or a year later, I'm hanging out at Jerome's, and... I'm sitting down and there's this girl sitting next to me and I'm wearing a, a Warzone shirt, which is like an old New York hardcore band. And so like the Warzone shirt has like this kind of like weird cross on it and then it says Warzone Lower East Side Crew. <laughs> and this girl that kind of looks like a little junked out like is just like, uh, yo, where'd you get that shirt? And I was like, ah, I think I got it on a hardcore show when I was 15 years old. Um, <laughs> maybe I was 14. And she was like, that's really cool shirt. Can I buy that off you? And then the bartender comes over and he goes, uh, he's like, yo, bro, that's my girlfriend. Um, just letting you know. And I'm like, <laughs> just letting you know. All right, cool. Um, and I'm, I just like worked like a fucking full shift. So I'm just like trying to get my fucking whiskey in me and you know what I mean? Like have a good day. So <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like I don't want some fucking the bartender. I want the bartender to bring me whiskey and whatever the fuck else I want to drink, like nothing else. So he's like, yo, can I buy this off of you? And I'm like, uh, no. No, you you can't buy the uh, the shirt off my back. Uh, can't. She's like, all right. And the guy comes over again. He's like, bro, I'm trying to tell you this is my girlfriend. Like, why? And I'm like, listen, buddy, just I need another Jack Daniels. And I'm like, because I'm not talking to this girl. So then, <laughs> so then she starts talking, and I'm just like, all right. And I'm drinking my Jack Daniels. And he comes out. Now he goes and gets a bouncer who's a. I know the the bouncer Chucky. I know him for years and years and years before I came back to the Lower East Side. Wait, now, the bartender's getting the bouncer, and the bouncer I know for ten years, right? right? <laughs> Even though I haven't, I know him from back when I was a kid. So he goes and gets a bouncer, being like, "Yo, this kid's gotta go." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, and then Chucky looks, and Chucky's like, "Yeah, Luke, Luke. All right, if he starts any trouble, I'll get him out of here." And he looks at me, and shakes his head. He's like, "This guy doesn't know." So then he comes back, he says it again. So now I like pull him over the fucking bar. I'm like, listen, I'm gonna fucking break your fucking head open. I'm gonna rip your eyeballs out of your fucking head, bro. Go get me my fucking Jack Daniels and shut the fuck up. I don't care about you. I don't care about your girlfriend. I'll fucking murder you. So 
Now Chucky comes over and like explains to him like that Chucky's not gonna fucking try to throw me out because I'll have like fucking twenty fucking kids show up at the front and not beat the shit out of Chucky, but I'll beat the shit out of the fucking bar. Um, not even I'm not I'm, I probably wouldn't have even like attacked the bartender because he's probably a fucking punk from like Colorado and <laughs> call the cops. I just like have some guys bang out the bar. Chucky knew this, so Chucky was just like. Yeah, no, no, that's not a good idea. So, uh, yeah, that's how I met Lady Gaga. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's an amazing. Story. Yeah, she used to come back too. She used to come back to St. Jerome's and play in the back room. Like nobody would know. All of a sudden, like a you know, it'd be a random like Wednesday or Thursday night. Bentley would show up with like a bodyguard. She'd like jump out, sing on the bar for like thirty minutes, and then bounce out. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, since um, a guy he didn't know to my house one time to sleep over. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> what was that guy's name? Uh, DJ or TJ. Oh, yeah, DJ. You want to yeah, tell him DJ. that story? You didn't know I him? met this guy. No, I mean, I met him. You told I met me you knew him. We were hanging out. <laughs> we were smoking cigarettes. He seemed like a good guy. He needed a place to stay. Like, I was, I was... I don't know where the fuck I was living that he couldn't stay with me at the time. But you were like, living in a lower. He calls me. It's like one o'clock in the morning. He's like, "Yo, I have this friend in town. He's been my friend my whole life. He needs a place to stay." <laughs> so I'm like, "All right, like whatever." So he like, was a cool dude though. He didn't steal anything, right? Nah, but he's laying on my floor in a fucking and on an air mattress. And I'm like, "Oh, so how you know Nino?" He's like, "Oh, I just met him tonight in the fucking lower." <laughs> And I didn't sleep Classic that fucking night. He, he sent like a pound of weed to my house like two weeks later. I got like a pound of weed to my house. Mm. It was oh, crazy. Dude. Yeah, the dude. And then I gave the weed to my friend Stooks. The dude I, sent you weed, right? He sent weed to himself at my house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he wanted the weed back, but I told Which him I didn't get it. fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the kind of shit that Nino was getting into before he opened up uh, Williamsburg. And yeah. I don't know how Williamsburg came about because I one day I seen him. He was working at some Bowery bar, making pizza. Mm. And then like three months goes by. And next thing you know, he's at Williamsburg Pizza just running amok. Like, yeah. So basically, uh, it's a pretty funny story. So <laughs> um, back in those days, I was very rarely on um, Craigslist looking for a job. But at this particular point in time, you know, I was pretty flush with money. I hadn't been working for like a month. You know, I had a couple side hustles I was doing. So that was like, I was like, I don't really need to go get a pizza job. But like, I just out of sheer boredom, I would like, like go on Craigslist and type in like pizzeria manager to see if there was any new spots going in that like maybe I could sneak a consulting job into. So I seems like I found one and, uh, you know, it says looking for pizza beer manager to run places. So, um, call the guy up. Or no, I had to send an email. He didn't have a number. So I wrote an email. Now I to this day I don't like email. I don't want to <laughs> fucking stand it. Like unless I'm like sending you a Dropbox or a receipt or something like that. I don't understand why text message doesn't work. Have you ever been like on a weird email chain and then you don't know where it starts or it ends and it's like yeah. then you get a new one and it says like, this just came in today and then you pull it out and it's shit from like four months ago and you're like, where's <laughs> the new one? And yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to give me lessons on how to navigate that fucking shit or if the rest of the world agrees that it's fucking stupid, um, you know, because I feel like 
I feel like people are just fucking dumb. I feel like people like accepted email finally as like standard business shit. And it's just like, well, the, the measure of a successful individual is somebody who wakes up in the morning, gets on their email, starts typing mindlessly away on all the different emails that they're sending to you. And, and then you have to set an alert so that if you get an email, you can respond promptly. And don't forget to delete the fact that you are sending it from your iPhone. Do delete the delete sent from it. iPhone thing because it is unprofessional. You should be at your desk all day. Like none of it makes any sense. It's fucking stupid. So So you send this email. Yeah, so I send this email that says, uh, it says, Hi, my name's Nino Caniglio. Google it. And that was it, period. <laughs> Hi, my name's Nino Caniglio, period. Google it. Period. Um so, and Aaron I, opens it. And Aaron opens it, uh, who <laughs> eventually becomes my business partner. And uh, yeah, he Googles it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I go meet up with Aaron. And uh, Aaron's like, yo, where you want to meet? And I'm like, bro, I'm hanging out on the Lower East Side. I can meet you at Jerome's. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I work down the street from St. Jerome's. I'll meet you over there. So, we meet over there, and on that particular week, I was on like a little bit of a drinking sabbatical. Hmm. Um, so many. he's like, "What are you having to drink?" And I'm like, "I'm not having anything. I'm having a seltzer water." Now, Aaron <laughs> McCann um, didn't like that, so he apparently doesn't uh, trust people who don't get fucking like wasted out of their mind all the time um so like the deal almost died right there unbeknownst to no, me though i found this all out like later after you know he was like you know the first day i met you i almost like didn't call you ever again because you know, i was like i don't know if i trust somebody who doesn't fucking who's, who's sober um <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, little did he know I was like a fucking raging alcoholic for like most of my life. It was just like that week I happened to quit drinking for one week. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. So uh, that's why he quit drinking. Huh? <laughs> Is that must be a fucked up week that you just you answered emails and you stopped drinking for a whole week. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fucked up week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so, so then we end up like setting up another meeting and, um, uh, a few days before the meeting, um, I got into a fight at St. Jerome's again with like four fucking kids, um, uh, beat the shit out of fucking all four of them. But then, uh, I walked around the corner to go get a pack of cigarettes over like where Nona's used to be. And, uh, they had fucking found me, and I was receiving <laughs> no, my no. cigarettes, and I looked to the right of me, and I got fucking, like, just thrown to the ground. I got four guys fucking stomping on me. Oh, no. Um, Is this I why was, you had the crutches? Uh, no, no, no. That was later. <laughs> so I was, I was lucky enough to, like, just catch one of their boots and throw it, and then kind of, like, crawled and, like, got my footing, ran across the street, knocked over a recycling container, and started, like, hurling fucking glass bottles at these fucking guys, which made them go away. But it didn't change the fact that, like, now I'm fucking rocking, like, a giant welt on my head and two giant black eyes. So Aaron comes in, and he's like, yo, you want to come to the spot and meet me up? And meet up with me here and check out where we're going to do this pizzeria? So I show up with a giant welt on my head, two black eyes, and, like, a bottle of whiskey. And I'm like, hey, you want to have a glass? And he's like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
So, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's the story of Williamsburg Pizza. And then, uh, you know, we started the company. Um, originally, it was actually supposed to be. So, uh, Aaron had this buddy uh, that later became known as Bearded Dan. And then later after that became known as um, Dan 3. And then, well, first it was Dan A, then it was Dan B, then it was Dan 3. And then, um, and then he became known as Omi D after that. But this fucking kid, uh, supposedly managed pizzerias and used to like run this pizzeria that was over next to Bari on the Bowery. Okay. So B-A-R-I, Bari, restaurant and pizza equipment over on the Bowery. So there used to be a pizzeria there that this kid, Omi D, who is, I believe from Colorado and he was like a big musical beautiful hipster from Colorado. Um, and he used to <laughs> fucking, bro, he used to clean up in Williamsburg, bro. He used to get like the fucking hottest girls like every night of the week. And I digress. Um, but uh, yeah, so he was supposed to do this pizzeria because him and Aaron had been like friends for a long time. And he was like, listen, you know, Aaron lived above this Chinese restaurant and he, uh, uh, what was it called? Yeah, he was, they, the, I don't know, the Chinese restaurant was like illegally dumping oil and doing all this shit that the landlords didn't want. So the landlords weren't going to renew their lease. So Aaron was like, Aaron's reasoning behind opening a pizzeria was, I've lived in New York for 12 years and I never seen a pizzeria go out of business. Now, that logic is complete fucking <laughs> foobar and not even close to the truth. But, um, I mean, one of the reasons why, like, one might think that is, especially back then, now this is kind of, like, doesn't go on anymore. But back then, when a guy wanted to get, uh, like, he had, let's say, Tony's Pizza on DeKalb Avenue, and he was like, I want to sell this. It would, like, get sold on, like, the Italian newspaper that nobody reads but fucking Italian guys, and nobody reads the classifieds but guys looking for either pizza jobs or to buy pizzerias or Italian restaurants. <laughs> um it would get sold through there, you know, either another Italian or Albanian guy would buy it for, you know, whatever. It could be 40 grand. It could be 100 grand. If it's a real busy place, it could be like 250 to 500. So, but then generally they don't change the name because, you know, awnings and all this stuff costs money. They don't redecorate. They, they're just like, you know, they just move into Tony's. So, like, if you're Aaron McCann and you don't have, like, an inside knowledge of who actually owns Tony's at any given point, it can be one of several people over like a decade. Mm. Um, so pizzerias do go out of business all the fucking time. Uh, just back then when they would go out of business, they would generally get picked up by a guy who would just kind of operate under the same name. And even if he changed the name, would you really fucking notice unless you were really paying attention? Like if you use the same awning to change it from like Tony's to Mike's, like, are you going to fucking really make that connection? Like, anyway. So you're teaching um, Aaron all this? No, 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 no. I'm not teaching Aaron any of this. Aaron is giving <laughs> me, like, uh, I don't know. I think it was, like, 10 grand consulting fee plus, like, weekly pay to tell him what ovens and dough recipes and this and that. Now, Dan was supposed to be the pizza guy that was going to run this thing and everything. But Dan had a little bit of a problem. So Aaron picked up the lease, worked out all the details, started raising all the money, and they were all getting ready, set to go. You know, we're going to start a build-out, 
blah, 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 blah. And then Dan had a little bit of an issue. So Dan was working at a bar in Bushwick. And it was him and this other guy who apparently was an MMA enthusiast. Um, <laughs> meaning he went to an MMA gym and trained in MMA. Um, so one day, an uh, this like 40-something-year-old Puerto Rican guy with a fucking little tiny like shih tzu walks into the bar and uh, uh, asks to use the bathroom or... Maybe he has a dog for water. I don't remember exactly, but he asked for something. Um, he asked for like maybe pretty a reasonable thing to ask for. But uh, the MMA enthusiast uh, said no. And the Puerto Rican guy with the Shih Tzu uh, was like, yeah, uh, you're a fucking dick. And uh, you should let me use your bathroom and get my dog water, whichever it was. I don't remember. Um, and the MMA enthusiast was like, you could go fuck yourself. And then he was like, no, you could go fuck with yourself. And then the MMA enthusiast jumped over the fucking counter and Dan being his coworker kind of had to follow him. And you know, like this guy didn't look that tough, but this guy pulled out a fucking knife um, and stabbed the MMA oh, guy shit. in the neck multiple times. And then proceeded to Dan stab Dan in the neck multiple times. Oh, the no. MMA enthusiast died and Dan, uh, they missed his like neck artery by like, uh, whatever that thing's called by like a fucking less than a millimeter. Um, so Dan's, oh, uh, girlfriend, fiance, whatever the fuck he was doing with whoever the fuck he was with at the time was like, Hey babe, uh, Maybe we should move out of New York because you're laying up in a hospital bed stabbed multiple times in the fucking neck. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the best place for us to live. Like, we come from, like, Boulder, Colorado or wherever the fuck only D was from. You know what I mean? So they moved out uh, after uh, Dan was well enough to actually move out. So now Aaron has this pizzeria with no pizza guy anymore. So enter Nino. Now, after um, <laughs> so after the pizzeria ends up opening, um, and you know we got all the stuff. Um, Dan, like, and this is you know like six months after Dan moves out, Dan flies back uh, to New York um, to you know kind of swoop in, and I'm in like a difficult place right now because I had like wrecked my ACL, MCL, meniscus in both legs, oh, so gracious. I'm like. I'm like on crutches constantly and I'm like kind of homeless and you know what I mean? I like it's not a good situation. Crutches, just going down um, the stairs. How'd you do that? Uh, fighting, you know, <laughs> I was, I was, I was punching somebody in the face. It was like pretty much grounded pounding them, but like I was still standing up. So I just like had him yoked up and his boy like wrapped his, so I was like, you know, like this. <laughs> And his boy grabbed onto my leg and kind of bear hugged my leg and like leaned on it in a way where it felt like my whole knee was gonna pop out. He was like trying to pull me off. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not talking on the mic. Sorry, I got it. I got it. The Tom all right. Brady and so um, <laughs> yeah. So then uh, I stood up straight and I was like, okay, and I shook that little bitch off, and then I got the <laughs> fuck out of there. Um, but uh. Yeah, so I was kind of limping for a few days. So I got like, I was like, I was like, "Hey, Ma, what are you doing? I'm, I'm coming over. You got grandfather, grandpa's old cane, Nona's old cane, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." 
And, you know, I got the little cane. I'm walking around with the cane. But now I'm playing with my kid on the jungle gym. And I would jump off the jungle gym. And all of a sudden, my leg would be like, pop. And I'd be on the ground screaming. And then I'd be limping more. And later on, after I couldn't walk at all, like four months later, turns out that I probably tore my ACL then. Just kept on doing shit which made my MCL meniscus and ACL my other leg and MCL meniscus and all my oh, legs, yeah. everything went. Um, craziness. Yeah. So Still haven't fixed that. you had an injury before the jungle gym? What? Yeah. Your leg was kind of injured before the jungle gym. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> yeah, my, was when that, that guy, guy leaned on his, my shit, he tore, tore my ACL. But I'm a fucking moron. I don't know what an ACL <laughs> no is. I don't know, like... There's like some ligament in your leg. I know all about it now, but like back then, I didn't know there was like an ACL that like you have to get surgery to fix because it won't heal itself. Like I didn't know anything about this shit. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I was limping for a couple of days. Now I'm not, and I have no pain. Must be fine. <laughs> you know. How all those you- out here listening to that. Uh, be careful. Uh, <laughs> How did you meet Vittorio? How did you guys meet each other? Uh, you want to tell that story? Or you want me to? Nah, you're good at telling stories. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, Vittorio, he came uh, over to the New York Pizza Festival and wanted to take a picture with me. So I took a picture with him, and then we exchanged numbers, and what happened? We hit each other up, and I came over... That's it. You just invited me to your podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, oh, you got to come on the podcast. And this is years ago because I used to do the podcast years ago, but it was with a green screen. It didn't work out. Now we're fucking back, motherfuckers. We got fucking like 20 of these things in the bag. Check out the pizza podcast. <laughs> that's you exciting. Who do you have scumbags. on? Um, so we just had Fred, uh, Francisco Migoya. Who's the head chef at Modernist Cuisine? Modernist Cuisine is a, um, it's a Bible of sorts. Yeah, it's like a Bible for chefs. So uh, this guy Nathan My Marivold. I hope I'm saying your name right, buddy. I know I'm probably not. Um, <laughs> Sorry, he means his best intention. Nathan, what is that? Is that? Uh, it's a vape. Do you want to hit the vape, Nino? Is that it's marijuana? Nicotine. No, not a good. It's idea. nicotine, Nino. Yeah. No, no, don't no, let him do it. No, don't do it. Yeah, um, you're on a roll. You're trying to quit smoking. Though. Yeah, this isn't uh, going to help. Yeah, but I really I want won't smoke it in front of you. I won't. I will float. I know I'm telling fucking stories, though. I won't smoke it in front of you. All right. So, um. <laughs> torturing him. Jesus. Sorry, Nino. Um. He, he's the one who got me started smoking. You, I wasn't you, smoking until I met Nino. What are you asking? I was telling him when I was at Del No, Corso, I don't even know what story I'm telling Force-fed me uh, fucking espresso. About, uh, what do you call Modern cuisine guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so Nathan Maribald, um, he was the CTO of Microsoft in the 90s. Uh, became a billionaire off of that, but always had like a passion to become a chef. And actually like went to uh, like cooking school in France when he was like 44 years old. So, um, you know, after he had like giant success in, um, Microsoft and he retired, he left, um, you know, he decided to open up, uh, this company called Modernist Cuisine, which essentially is a, uh, giant scientific laboratory with everything, uh, you know, it's Sash, like the most sophisticated kitchen in the world. So they have 
all the stuff that you would find in a commercial and a home kitchen, like every piece of equipment, every tool on one side. And then they have basically like a pharmaceutical lab on the other side where they can like test this shit on a ridiculous level. And every few years they come out with a set of books that weighs about 40 pounds. Um, that's, uh, you know, they've, they've been, uh, awarded for their photography to the point where like they came out with a book that's just based on their photography because their photography won so many awards. Um, they saw ovens in half. James. So they're cookbooks. Kind of. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, calling it a cookbook is uh, content books. It's a Bible. You know, that, that, it's a twelve hundred dollars set of books. It's, it's put like, it that it's way. It's like what makes cooking work. What makes yeah. you know the, the whole science psychology. Cook, yeah, cooking. A cookbook. A cookbook yeah. generally costs between twenty and forty dollars. These five volumes in any other sets cost around twelve hundred dollars. Wow. They pretty so. much do a lot of the tests that you don't have to do. Yeah, you know, and that you're not capable of doing in most cases because you don't have a fucking centrifuge. Or a or a thirty thousand dollar or a two hundred thousand dollar fucking like uh, beaker evaporator or like uh, a twenty thousand dollar electron microscope, and you probably don't have the the um, you know the the fucking knowledge or the discipline. You know, like that's not your discipline in life. Like you don't yeah. know how to do molecular biology. You don't know how to do <laughs> you know the the physics of food or whatever the fuck. Speaking of that. Don't you have a gentleman that's uh, specialized in, in uh, molecular gastronomy? Oh, yeah. Wiley Dufresne. Uh, coming on. He is coming. I haven't scheduled yet. We got to do his pre-interview first. But, yeah, he was from WD-50 on the Lower East Side, which is like, you know, crazy molecular gastrometry restaurant back in the day. Um, on par with, like, Il Bully. Like, it was, like yeah, he but- was like the American Il Bully guy. Uh, Il Bully was, like, named best restaurant in the world, like, probably what five or six times in spain in spain yes um you're training to become a, like the pasta you showed me some stick yeah 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 matronella so yeah i've been uh training uh to become a sfolino which is this very specific type of pasta maker from bologna um where you know you can't use any machinery you have to uh everything has to be done on like a giant wood board um, and everything has to be rolled up by hand and like a matronella is, um, you know, mine's a hundred centimeters. You could get one that's 80 centimeters too, but that's generally the two sizes they come in and it's, uh, manufactured to be accurate to one thousandth of an inch across the whole hundred centimeters. And what, what does that do? You use that to roll out the sfoglia, which is the name, what they call the pasta dough. So instead of like a sheeter. Yes. You're doing it by hand and you're doing it like, and to become a master, you have to essentially become faster than a machine. There's Um, only one person in America that could do it. As far as I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but Evan Funky from Felix in LA, um, uh, did, uh, he's the only guy that I know. He just came out with a book called America's Folino. And he's the only guy to get certified that I know of. There might be another one or two people in America, but uh, the maestra Alessandra Spinzi in Bologna who gives out the certifications. And to get certified by her, you have to uh, go out there and like spend three months with her learning. Like it's pretty crazy. It's no joke. 
pretty wild. But Nino's working on a lot of different things. I mean, he's always got some experiment happening, something crazy going on. Yeah, I I, I definitely have it in. You know, I'm definitely gonna go out and train under the Maestra Alessandra um, at some point. But in the meantime, I'm making three pasta doughs a day. I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling them out, um, and I'm gonna show up there like just being like, "Hey, let's fucking go!" Like, <laughs> Give me the certification. Show me what's good. Um, if you could describe your pizza in one word, could you? Huh? <laughs> Can you describe your pizza in one word? Badass. <laughs> it's two words, but I love it. Badass is one word. I guess. Badass. Spell badass. All right. Is it one or two words? Badass. It just depends how you say it, right? Yeah. He, if he you say my pizza is badass, how would you write that on a text message? <laughs> would you separate the bad from the ass? No. No. It's no. one word, you fucking dickhead. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Maybe one of the, like, a uh, thing in the middle. What is it called? Those, uh, uh, a dash? Uh, yeah, a dash. Do you have any more questions for Nino? How was Chopped? Uh, chopped was good, man. Uh, yeah, it was... Chopped champion, by the way. For yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was really fortunate. I was on, um, you know, the other, the, the guys... Oh, well, it was kind of a blessing and a curse. The guys that I was competing against, like, two of them are mentors of mine. And one of them is one of my best friends um, and all world champions in the pizza game. Wow. So it was Giulio Adriani, who's won uh, more world championships in Italy than any other human, I believe. Uh, right now, he's um, uh, opening pizzerias for uh, Buddy Velastro from the Cake Boss. From, okay. Yeah. Uh, Wait, he's owns. opening pizzas? Pizzerias? He's opening pizzerias, yeah. He's got one in Las Vegas right now, and he's doing, like, a whole bunch of them. But Julio's, like, you know, helping, I think, consulting for that. Vinny Rotolo, he just opened up Good Pie in Las Vegas. Uh, he just opened up a new location, which is crazy. He was on it with me. And uh, John Arena, who we, um, we all, uh, you know, affectionately call the sensei. You know what I mean? Because he's like OG fucking pizza guy. You know what I'm saying? He's your OG sensei, and he also likes karate a lot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was great, man. I got to, uh, I got to, you know, in between, like, things, I got to hang out with them. And, like, you know, um, it was all love. We were, like, helping each other out. We are goofing off. Is it um, real competitive? Is it... It's competitive. I mean, the way that they set it up is, I mean, it's no joke. Like, I've been on TV shows that, like, they act like they're live, but, like, yeah. they're, they're putting in a little bit of TV magic. Like, Chopped was legit. Like, Chopped, it was, like, the only part that you don't see on the thing, on the actual, like, the only thing that wasn't, like, live, live, live was, so they bring you out, they set you in front of the things, all right? Now they do, like, a camera test so they got cameras on rigs so they're running the camera across to get like those kind of like drama reality tv shots but now this basket sitting in front of you so you open up the basket right and then they're like and you look inside and then they're like okay cut and then you the basket gets closed real quick gets pushed aside they do a camera reset and then it's like probably takes like two minutes so you don't have time to know what's in the basket yeah. really or contemplate what's going on but that's before you the know time what i mean starts right and, yes 
and then they reset the cameras, they bring it back, and it's like, okay, open your baskets, and now it's live, and you're just going. So you have, like, you open it up. You don't even get to see what's inside of it, really. You close it, put it back, two-minute camera reset, and then it's just like, oh, now it's time to open your baskets. Contestants, and you open it, it's just like 29. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you really don't know what's really in there. You have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. What did um, you make? Huh? What did you make? Bro, don't even ask me. You know, my episode was on today. One of my boys who's in uh, uh, some band. I don't want to get the fucking name wrong. Well, there was the Oxtail Christ. and Coca-Cola pizza. Yeah? Oxtail and Coca-Cola? Uh, it was Oxtail and Coca-Cola. Yeah, oh yeah there was gosh. an Oxtail and Coca-Cola. No, it was a 7-Eleven Coca-Cola slushy. Mm, yeah. That's right. It was yeah. a Coca-Cola slushy from 7-Eleven was one ingredient. And then, yeah, Oxtail was another one. There was another, the first round, um, I, like the main ingredient, there was four of them, but the main ingredient was, um, oh, I think it was escarole. It was escarole, and then they gave us a whole roasted pork head. <laughs> so it was a giant head from a pig with the tongue, the teeth, the eyeballs, and everything that they had roasted for maybe a couple hours. And then they put that in a basket. And handed it to me. So what and did said, you do? make a pizza with this. You drank the Coca-Cola slushy and made an oxtail pizza? No. <laughs> no, I did. I don't know. I did some sauce or something. I've actually never watched the episode in full. I've seen clips. Are the times, like, you know, at the end, they always look like they're coming down to the wire. Is that is that real? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You are coming down to the wire. Yeah, wire. yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. So, like, I mean, you're, yeah. Yeah, it's. It's insane. And there's no extra time. Like, they don't give a fuck. Like, you know, one. There's no style in your plate no, no. afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, What's next for you? What, what do you plan to do now that you have this successful business? You have a laboratory at your house with every toy you could ever want for the most part. Yeah, so... um, I think he's looking into a steakhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, really? No, no, no. Possibly. So um, I know the guy to talk to. <laughs> so yeah, one of the I mean one of the one of the things that I'm really passionate right now about right now is you know I'm you know I've been passionate about this for a long time, but like I really haven't been able to kind of articulate that and like to put like what I really wanted to do out there. But like now I feel like I'm there where like I mean I I've been you know between like this homemade pasta stuff and the stuff that we're doing with bread and the stuff that we're doing with the gardening and this and that. Like, I think like, you know, like people are missing like this kind of like, you know, Sunday fucking dinner thing where a bunch of people get together and it's like every fucking week and you chill out and you make amazing food together and that. So we're organizing throughout the summers, a bunch of stuff like that and bringing in some amazing dudes. Mikey's one of them. Uh, we got our boy, uh, Giuseppe Vitrali, who, um, is like this amazing dude who like does uh prosciutto from fucking anything he has you know what i mean like this guy you walk into his kitchen he's just got prosciutto and gabagola that he makes himself and where, wine where are you and, gonna do this so uh giuseppe already does one a week, once a week over his house so i'm gonna do one in brooklyn every other week probably do one here in long island every other week open to the public no, no, no. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it will not be open to the public. Um, no, it's going to be us and our friends and, you know, um, but we want to kind of like, 
you know, pass this knowledge uh, across again. So, like, what, you know, like Mike's mother, for instance, she's from the other side. She makes her own pasta and this and that. But, you know, Mike, he's got a restaurant. He's got a busy life. Like, him and his wife aren't making, like, homemade pasta. And, like, if you look at my mother, like, my grandfather made homemade pasta. But, like, if you grew up with me, my mother wasn't, like, you know, rolling out pasta every night. So, it's, like, there's a lot of these things, like, you know, whether it's, like, having tomatoes and basil and oregano growing in your backyard or or it's like having fresh eggs coming out of your little backyard or it's making homemade pasta or it's like cooking fresh bread that kind of aren't around anymore and the skills have been lost you know what i'm saying so like i mean one of the big things is like you know it's it's gonna be like you know we're gonna bring these 10 guys over the crib and then we're gonna do like i'm gonna have the soya dough ready and we're going to teach these 10 guys and gals, you know, for an hour, how to shape orchette, right? And we're going to make enough dough the night before so they can fuck that up all day. And mm -hmm. we're going to do that again in a week. Okay. And we're going to do that again in a week. Like and by fun. the time we do that, these guys are all going to fucking know how to shape orchette. And they're going to know how to shape tortellini. And they're going to know how to fucking that. make raviolis. <laughs> and then they're going to be able to teach 10 people that they know. And like bring this all this beautiful stuff back to like the home to the family where it is so yeah between that and i'm working with some uh oven companies right now to develop like uh combo bread pizza ovens pastry ovens that work using all three of um um amazingly um it, it's it's i i saw like this issue in the industry where i was like hey you got these oven companies they don't really mess with guys like me that are in the uh, trenches and like have the knowledge and blah, 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 blah. So I've made some, you know, I made a partnership with a oven company and we'll be announcing that soon. And we're going to come out with some really special ovens based on like their knowledge of engineering and my knowledge of like, you know, how pizza works and how pizza cooks and through, you know, tons of rigorous testing. And, uh, you know, this spring we're going to be, uh, we're going to be, or this end of summer, we're going to be in Brooklyn, um, canning about like 1200 jars of tomatoes um do a little block party we're also going to do that in long island and yeah a bunch wine. of other shit and the wine yeah we're doing we're going to do 250 gallons of wine this year wow you know the party hope, continues hope i get an invite yeah 100 <laughs> um, well before we wrap this up i wrote down some quotables from this, this podcast I've, I've never done this before but i feel like nino's a perfect guest um i want to know what your favorite is james we uh, have, uh, would you separate the bed from the ass? We have all of you out there who don't know shit about an ACL, limping, thinking shit is sweet, have a good time. <laughs> we have, <laughs> I'm just trying to get my whiskey in me and you know, have a good day. Uh, <laughs> let's see what Tony Bologna is going to do next. And uh, I'm too young for this game. I, can I have my own? You, do you need one? Nino Caniglio. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> That's a so, good one. So it's funny you picked that one. Aaron, that was on my birthday cake probably three years in a row because Aaron was like a charge throw on my birthday cake. That's going to be the description for this Google podcast. That's great. Yeah, Nino Caniglio, Google it. Google it. Yeah, that Perfect. could be a good description. I'm very Googleable. He is. The Google I'm likes everywhere. me. You only have to type in Nino C O N, and then the, the, <laughs> the other six letters just show just up. Nino C. That's oh, it. Yeah. Man. Maybe. Well, I appreciate you coming out to Long Island. Thanks, great guys. In a row. Thank appreciate you. Um, we got to shout out Vittorio's, of yes, course. So, yes. Vittorio's Italian Steakhouse in Amityville, New York. Amazing. Um, 
Yeah, he ages his own steak. It's fucking beautiful. And, uh, you know, Mike's Underground Pizza. But listen, bro, like, you got to be committed to get Mike's Underground Pizza. You're going to have to send fucking emails and text messages. And then you're going to have to order, like, a week or two in advance. But if you're about that life, then your membership material. And, you know, good luck to you. All right. Well, thank you, Nino. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, guys.